there, podcast land. Once again, you have set your dial to combat sports with Rhino. What do we talk about here? We talk about boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, but especially mixed martial arts. And boy, we have a bevy of things to talk about from this past week. Starting off with, we'll call it the Amuz Bush, the pre-appetizer Dana White Contender Series results. Then we had Bellator on Friday, which we're going to be covering the main card. Then we're going to get into the main course, if you will. UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Olenek. We got Drea's drop of the night. And then before I get too far in, we've got a fantastic interview with the triumphant return. The second time around is always better. My man, Joe Skeletor Gennetti, Tough 27 finalist. You might know him from or Cage Titans, submission specialist. Unbelievable dude. We do have a great 10 rounds of riding with him later on, so stay tuned for that. So let's go ahead and dive right into our Amuz Bush, which I learned, by the way, from the TV show Friends. That's how I first learned what that word meant. It's the pre-appetizer. And I know my man Cyrus King will appreciate that because it's a food related. So all right, Dataway Contender Series returned this past Tuesday. Uh, with four fights. We started out with a lightweight fight between Jordan Levitt and Luke Flores. Uh, the first round, man, Jordan Levitt, it was all it took. One round, he got the first round sub via arm triangle and earned himself a contract. Uh, then at flyweight, Jerome Rivera defeated Luis Rodriguez uh, by UD. It was a pretty fun back and forth. Lots of scrambles, as I called, as I wrote in my notes, a scramble fest. Um, I thought it was a very close fight. Unfortunately, neither one of those guys got a contract, but I think they're both really young and they're both pretty good and they're just going to improve and we'll probably see them down the line. Uh, moving into our next fight, we had the second lightweight fight of the contest. Urosh Medic defeated Mickey Gonzalez with a first round TKO and also got a contract from Dana. Um, that was pretty cool. That was a fun fight. That kid had a beautiful body kick. Uh he, he seems like he have a big personality, so I think that's also not only is he a good fighter, but he's got one of those, you know, uh, personalities where you really want to interview him. He was really nice. He was really uh, appreciative of his opponent stepping in late. He was a very cool dude. I really want to see what's next for Irosh. So then we went into our final match, the the kickboxing stud, Justin Jacoby, uh, trying to get his second stint in the UFC. He defeated the ultra-tough Ty Flores by UD. After dominating the first couple rounds, dude, Jacoby seemed to kind of gas out a little bit. And Ty Flores, he did his best. He was really overmatched. He tried hard, especially in the third. But, God, what a chin on that, dude. He got fucking lit up in rounds one and two. But Justin Jacoby, I believe they said it was his his last fight in the UFC was in 2011. So, long hiatus for him. He's kind of been in the world of kickboxing. But he's coming back. He got a contract, too. So, Three actual full contracts doled out in the uh, season premiere, which was very, very cool. Good on Dana for getting them to those guys, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they have once they step under the bright lights of the UFC. So that takes care of that. We're going to move into our uh, Bellator main card recap, uh, Bellator Chandler versus Hendo. Our first fight was Sabah Hamasi versus Curtis Millender at a catch weight of 170. Uh, um, this was boring as fuck, okay? Let's just call it what it was. This was a super boring fight. I, like, was fading in and out watching it. I, I was playing on other things. It was just not not good. So Hamasi got the UD. Hopefully we get a uh, more exciting fight his next time in there. Then Miles Jury and Georgie Karahanian uh, had a pretty close fight. I thought Miles Jury clearly won two of the rounds. One of the judges... Gave it to, to Georgie. Miles Jury, of course, I like him. He's from Michigan. Um, he's a longtime vet. I really like the last couple of times I've seen him in there. Georgie's a good fighter, too. But, again, it was a split decision. But I thought Miles should have gotten the unanimous. So that's uh, that was that at 155. Uh, moving into the heavyweight division, Matt Mitrione, who anybody who's ever listened or talked to me ever knows, I am not a Matt Mitrione fan whatsoever and no juice it's not just because it beat Fedor I didn't like him a long time before that <laughs> but uh Tim Johnson man I mean I know there was a controversial uh head clash that you know I, I understand that but when at the end of the day dude Tim Johnson got the TKO from ground and pound at just 314 in the first so big win for him you know he, he's a UFC vet as well uh big mustached guy <laughs> so good on Tim Johnson Matt Mitrione I'm sure they'll bring him back. They'll probably even rematch them just because they'll complain about it. Uh, then moving into what was a very highly anticipated uh, rematch from a while back, Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson. Uh, Hendo, former UFC champ. Michael Chandler, former Bellator champ. 
I thought this was going to be a barn burner. Both guys are in great shape. Both guys have super high cardio, lots of good wrestling, lots of good fucking strikes. But this one, we didn't have to wait for very long, dude. It's just 209 in the first. A straight left hand from Michael Chandler onto Benson Henderson's chin really ended the night. So first round uh, stoppage for Michael Chandler over Benson Henderson in the Bellator fights from Friday night. That will now take us into what I described earlier as the main course. Last night's UFC fight night, uh, Vegas 6, I believe, is the proper hashtag. So UFC Las Vegas 6 last night, Lewis versus Olenek. Our first fight was a good fight between Irwin Rivera and Ali Alakasi. Uh, early takedown for Rivera, a later takedown for Alakasi. First round, I gave it to Alakasi. Uh, not much in this. Not much as far as action in the second round. Uh, they loosened up more towards the end of it, but I gave that one to Rivera. An early takedown in the third for Alakasi, but Rivera popped right up. Uh, opened up a little bit more. One of the many nut shots took place that happened yet again. But I gave Rivera the uh, I gave Rivera the third. So the judges kind of saw it that way too. It was a split decision for Irwin Rivera at bantamweight. But I think Ali Alakasi. We're going to see him again. Uh, tough dude. Uh, again, I, I liked what I saw to him, and that was that was an entertaining fight uh, for not being like a stand-up war by any stretch, but it added a lot of good ebbs and flows in, and I enjoyed it. So, moving on to Yusef Zalal uh, over Pete Barrett. Pete Barrett kind of got run through. They they had a good time, but it was a it was a bevy of strikes by Yusef uh, in the second, the first and the second. Um, he hunted for a sub in the second round, but you know. Barrett's a tough dude. I know he doesn't have nearly the experience of Zalal, but he was a tough dude. He was able to hang in there. But you said Zalal really was head and shoulders above where Barrett is right now as far as skill-wise. Put the great stuff on display in the featherweight division. So a clear UD for Yusef Zalal. Moving our way into Gavin Tucker versus Justin James at featherweight. I picked Gavin Tucker, and it was hard for me to pick Gavin because Justin James is actually from Michigan. However, I've seen Gavin Tucker fight before. I only seen Justin James with his quick knockout uh, recently. Tucker's a fucking stud. He has got phenomenal kicks. He's super explosive. Uh, he came out completely dominating James, and then James threw a beautiful fucking uppercut, which dropped Tucker, but Tucker kind of hit the mat and popped too, which, trust me, the old rhino can relate to you guys. <laughs> I've definitely been there before. And uh, from that point on, it was all Tucker, the, the cheaps. The jabs, the the movement, all fucking completely outclassed Justin James in that one. Uh, and then he got the rear naked choke in the in the third. So Gavin Tucker via submission, third round over Justin James. Moving our way into the middleweight division. Woof! Holy smokes! Andrew Sanchez versus Wellington Terman. I think Wellington sounds like a name that you'd find like I don't even know, man, <laughs> like aristocratic or something like that, but. Uh, he turned out to be a tough dude, and they had some nice exchanges, but then, fuck, what a beautiful, clean KO for Sanchez from a straight right hand down the pipe, put Wellington out. Huge, huge KO for Andrew Sanchez in the middleweight division. So I got to know him a little bit on the uh, on the I just season of tough, but, man, that mullet was not what he used to have. <laughs> and it turns out there's a lot of mullet love on the TL uh, since that happened because of him and Bosser and everybody else with uh, mullets, Ricky Simone. Jeez, peace, man. Mullets, dude. Who the fuck it? <laughs> Moving into the lightweight division, Nasrat Hakparast. Yep, I think I said that right. Uh, against Alex Munoz. Early takedown from Munoz, but then uh, Nasrat completely won the rest of it. Uh, he was dominating the strikes in the second uh, they then it was a little bit closer in the third, but it was still Nasrat's round. His his power was clearly ahead, right? His ability to shirk off the takedowns. Munoz was trying his best, but just kind of getting lit up. And Nasrat got the clear unanimous decision. I think people, a lot of people call him baby. Uh, what do they call him? Baby Gaslam because him and Kelvin look so much alike. And he actually gets brought up in my interview with Joe Gennetti for it. So stick around and check that out. So good win for Nasrat. Uh, moving into the middleweight division, we had. Uh, we had Kevin Holland versus, uh, I think it's Joaquin, I believe is how you pronounce it. Joaquin Buckley, even first couple minutes, and then uh, and then and then Kevin Holloway dropped Buckley. Clearly won the first, clearly won the second. A straight right, 
32 seconds in, TK went for Holland. Um, he was really impressive, dude. I know he had a, like a bump in the road last week with the fucking uh, Giles, I believe was the guy's name, fainting right before they were going to come out. But, dude, 6'3", super explosive, uh, great striking, creative, seems to be having fun in there. I think Kevin Holland has a really high ceiling, and I got a great question about him in the uh, Q&A section. So stay tuned for that. So big win for Kevin Holland. Uh, moving our way to the feature prelim, we had Tim Dirty Bird Means versus Loren Strapoli. I think we're going to say it, the Argentine fighter. This was pretty much one-way traffic, dude. I know the first round was kind of even. From that point on, Dirty Bird had him up against the cage. Uh, they were doing a lot of clinch work, a lot of short elbows, short punches, short knees. and really, really dominated. He put on his smart performance. Not the most exciting fight in the world, but a good win for Dirty Bird Means over Strapoli. Uh, that kicks us off into the main card, and what a kickoff it was. Benil Darius versus Hot Sauce Scott Holtzman. Holy shit. Well, first of all, Benil had to shake off a couple of early eye pokes from Hot Sauce, um, and then fucking just opened up, dude. He rocked Scott several times with some beautiful punches, and then a spinning back elbow, which kind of landed more like the forearm or the face, put fucking Holtzman on his ass. That was enough. Big win for Benil Darius. It's hard to get on board completely because he did lose. You know, he didn't lose enough weight. He did miss weight by a couple of pounds, which he was really remorseful of and embarrassed. He talked about it. But again, what a great stoppage and what a great win. I believe that was his fifth in a row for Benil Darius. So good on him. Scott Holtzman is still a good fighter. And I, think, I still think we'll hear from him uh, down the road. But that was all Benil in that one. And what a highlight reel. Fucking KO, dude. Uh, moving our way to Yana Kuniskaya versus Julia. I'm not going to try her last name because I'll just sound like an idiot. Uh, this was the this was like the same as the Tim Dirty Bird Means fight, except for worse, right? Yana Kuniskaya had the game plan of push Julia up against the cage, hold her there, land short shots. She landed a ton. I talked to my homie, Mr. B, uh, last night on the TL. She outlanded Julia. 169 to 19. She kept her up against K's, landing little shots, little knees, little, you know, kind of uppercuts, over the top punches. It, it wasn't anything devastating, but she really beat her up and dominated the whole time. And like I said, her and fucking Marietta Santos are my favorite MMA couple in the world. Love them. Don't at me. That was that one. So good win for Yana. Then my favorite part of last night, <laughs> my fucking homie. Darren the Dentist Stewart versus Maki Patolo, Coconut Bombs, which is Juice's favorite nickname in MMA. These guys came out swinging, and they both wobbled each other. They were both throwing hard, stiff bombs at each other, dude. But then Darren Stewart kind of fucking took things control in a control. They got him, got Maki down up against the fucking cage, slapped on the guillotine. First round submission for my man, Darren the Dentist Stewart. Don't sleep on him, folks. This guy is going to be a contender. I'm telling you. He's got all the tools. Love the guy. Oh, when I was on the woke, I've even forgiven him for when we were on the woke cast together. He called me Ronnie because he thought that's what Mike was saying instead of Rhino was Ronnie. I've even long forgiven that. Actually, it was really, really funny. It still cracks me up. But, man, Darren Stewart, my dude, huge win, showing the repertoire of having not just big strikes but awesome submission skills. Fuck yeah, Darren Stewart. So pumped. So this moves us into the middleweight co-main event with Omari Akamedov versus longtime vet Chris Weidman, a former uh, middleweight champion, going back down to 185. Weidman has been one in five in his last six. <laughs> I kind of thought that Akamedov was going to kind of grind out a decision on him, but Weidman kind of did the opposite. Uh, both guys did a lot of grappling. They looked really tired in the third. Not a bunch of, of um, you know, on-the-feet striking exchanges. Chris Weidman clearly won the fight two rounds to one as far as as far as far I had, dude. He had more takedowns. He had more time on top. He actually had eight minutes of total control uh, in the fight, which is really hard to do against a good grappler like I command of. So Chris Weidman, we talked a little bit more about him in the uh, – in the Rhino gang question, but good win. You know, I'm kind of glad he got a win. I didn't think he was going to. Um, so yeah, good win for Chris Weidman. So that moved us into our, uh, Oh, the, sorry. That scared me for a second. The dog just whined over no reason. Cause he's sleeping. <laughs> Must be one of those bad dreams. Anyway, uh, moving into the middleweight. I'm not middleweight, middleweight 
heavyweight division with my man Derek Lewis versus Alexio Lytic, the boa constrictor, versus the Black Beast. This one was like your quintessential grappler versus striker. You have huge power with Derek Lewis. Uh, the punching power is insane on that guy. And then you got the all-time experience and phenomenal submission stylings of the boa constrictor, Alexio Lytic. First round, it seemed like Derek kind of hurt Alexi, got him down, but Alexi was just trying for some, you know, submissions, looking for this DQ right away. He got a near Americana slapped on at the end of the first round, but then fuck the second round. <laughs> then it goes down, Lewis is throwing huge shots. I think he started with like a flying knee attempt, but anyway, once they got to the ground, fuck, Alinic was holding on, trying to look for something, and then Derek Lewis just started smashing him with those huge punches to the side of the head and the face. Total good stoppage. Get it. You know, they actually probably ate too many, but I mean, this fight should have been stopped. Uh, yeah. Big win for Derek Lewis. I believe they said that was his 15th win inside the octagon, which is phenomenal. Just shows you how good of a fighter he can be at times. He definitely looked like he'd slimmed down some. This was a really good version. His back didn't seem to bother him. Really good version. I still think Alexia Linick is viable even at 43 in the heavyweight division. And I think we'll see him again. I just, you know, it wasn't his night. Good job for Derek Lewis. All righty. Now, D Reyes, let's go ahead and get our girl Drea on the horse. We can get our Drea's drop of the night, rocking and rolling, and our main car picks for UFC 252. And now, Rhino gang, let us get into our Drea's drop of the night from last night. Drea, we had quite a selection to choose from. There was three that came to my mind right away that were outstanding drops. Which one did you go ahead and pick and land on for your infamous Drea's drop of the night from last night? Well, you're definitely right about that. It was kind of hard for me to choose. There were quite a few. So, um, but I did land on uh, Benil Dariush uh, over Holtzman for this one. So, um, the way it went down was the last 30 seconds of round one. Uh, Dariush connected with a flurry of strikes that really tested Holtzman's chin. I was surprised he even made it through that. Um, but he circled out and separated from Benil, and then Holtzman attempted like this overhand right that just left, you know, it left him open. And Darius threw this spinning back fist elbow forearm strike <laughs> that um, that connected, and it put Holtzman down to the mat. Uh, and Benil got the the walk off finish. So my drop of the night goes to Benil Darius. Yeah, that's a great one. I think I think the general consensus would be that he was probably trying to throw a spinning back fist, but man, it fully landed on that forearm, making it a more yeah. devastating shot. That was the first time Holtzman had ever been stopped in his career, so a real big feather in the cap. Yeah, he Jardim. had tough chin for sure. Yeah, he definitely ate a lot of shots leading up to that, which mm -hmm. would put all their guys down, but man, there was no... Toughing it out through that fucking through that. back. I oh know. Goodness. The first the first angle, like the way the fight was going, it looked like it was a, a spinning elbow. And I think um, they even announced that right away, like they, he thought it was a spinning elbow. But then when you saw a different angle, then you could see that it was the forearm. But either way, it was a beautiful KO. And that, I did have to a highlight. Yeah. And I wanted to point out, um, even like in the post-fight interview, what he said, like, kind of made me feel a little bit better about him missing weight because he mentioned that if the KO, you know, ended up being performance of the night worthy, um, then to give the bonus to Scott because he had missed weight. So I thought I admired it. It was something, you know, said something about his character. So, yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, honorable mention to both uh, Andrew Sanchez and Holland for their outstanding uh, drops of the night. Performance well. of the night, yeah. Well, yeah, their outstanding drops. But, yeah, definitely I would go with Benil Daryush as well. So, yeah. we have got a Jihugian. Doesn't get any bigger than this, man. The heavyweight championship is on the line next Saturday. UFC 252 from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Daniel D.C. Cormier versus Stipe Miocic. Holy shit. They've each won one. This will be the fucking trilogy. The heavyweight title is on the line. Let's go ahead and get our picks going. I am going to lead off with you, Drea. Gentlemen okay. is opening the door for the lady for the first pick. <laughs> so we got, I know we got Magomed Ankalayev versus Ayan Kutalaba. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the underdog on this one. I'm going uh, Kutalaba with a KO in round two. I think he's going to 
I'm sure he feels stupid for how his last fight was stopped and, you know, that faking wobbling kind of thing. And um, I think he's going to come back with a vengeance and, and just be throwing bombs. So I'm going KO round two for Kutalaba. I'm going the complete opposite of opposite. you. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> I got Magomed Ankalaev with a clear-cut unanimous decision over Kutalaba. Uh, I do look forward to Kutalaba, you know, putting on his Hulk paint or whatever the fuck he's going to do for the ceremonial weigh-ins because it's always entertaining. But after that, mm-hmm. I think Ankalaev is going to grind him out. I think he's going to take him down a lot, a lot of chain wrestling, a lot of uh, up against the cage, try to keep distance from those huge bombs getting landed because that really is Ian's best chance of winning. So, yeah, yeah. I got Ankalaya by unanimous decision. So then we're going to move into Mirab Davashvili. Ooh, I think I said that just right. Over longtime vet John Dodson. What do you have for that one, Dre? I am taking John Dodson um, with a split decision. I think it's it's going to be a close fight. Um, but I'm I'm going Dodson on that one. To, to the surprise of no one, the Rhino has the opposite pick. I've got Mirab Davishvili with a unanimous decision over John Dodson in this one. So right away, we are at odds for our first two picks mm-hmm. of the main card. Hey, that's and, what makes it fun for yeah, us. Because when we can banter back and forth on on who who had the better wins, like last night. Well, what the fuck, dude? Second week in a row, we got we got a tie. <laughs> tie. So, so lame, dude. I was fucking smoking you until the co-main in May, and I got the both wrong. And yeah. of course, the late catch-up for you. So, yes, another tie. For the for... perfect main card picks. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I think tie. it was the opposite last week, right? Last it was. Week, exactly we were tied, was. but you had the perfect main. Yeah, and yeah, me. yeah. So yeah, again, we we tied again, and we have to put an end to this. <laughs> end to this this coming week. So then, moving into a fight, I think is really going to be a fucking barn burner, dude. I think this one has potential to be fight of the night. I mean, really, yeah. uh, JDS versus Jairzinho Rosenstruik. Uh, I'll go first on this one. I've got JDS by second round TKO over uh, Jairzinho. I think it could be a phenomenal fucking stand up uh, kickboxing match. Really, and I'm really looking forward to. It. What do you got? Wow, we I have the same exact pick TKO in round two, but I'm going for Rosenstrike. I think I think he may he may get the TKO. I I'm hoping. <laughs> I, <don't> know, <laughs> I should, probably shouldn't be going against Dos Santos, but um, I got a little thing for for Jorginho jo- jo- Rosenstrike. I That's fair enough, know. dude. I know you're a big kickboxing guy, and he's a fantastic yeah. kickboxer. So mm-hmm. you're you're a big kickbox girl. I should have yeah. said guy. Bye, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Moving into the next fight, we got Sugar Sean O'Malley versus uh, Marlon Chito Vera. So I've got Sugar Sean clear as day. He's going to dominate Vera the first and second round, but Vera's very tough. He'll stay in it. So I got a third round TKO via strikes for Sugar Sean. How do you see that one going? I'm sticking with the Sugar Sean O'Malley uh, hype train, and I think he's going to defeat Marlon Vera as well. Um, I'm going TKO round two. Yeah, TKO2 for Sugar Sean. Uh, and then the fight that neither of us really want to pick. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> we are both huge. I'm not ready. Huge UK fans. We're both huge, huge DC fans. This is this is a rough for the old CSWR crew. There always seems to be at least one fight uh, on every card where I'm just torn. But this I one holds a little bit more. I, I feel like whoever I pick, I'm going to. I'm you're gonna jinx the <laughs> Man, I'm gonna jinx the other person. <laughs> I don't I really All right, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the fucking it's my show. I'm fucking taking the stand first. I'm jumping into the cold water. Okay. CK Miacic, fifth round TKO over Daniel Cormier. I think Cormier is gonna have success early. I think he's gonna try to implement some more wrestling in this one. I think mm-hmm. Stipe is gonna handle it. Stipe's cardio is gonna be better. I got Stipe Miacic, fifth round TKO to retain the UFC heavyweight championship and the uh, uh, the title of baddest man on the planet, which you normally gets, you know, coincides with the heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC. Steve Miacic, fifth round TKO. What say you? Okay. I'm just because we've basically picked opposites of each other this entire card, why not? I'm going DC on this one. I really had no clue. <laughs> going into this, I didn't even write a pick. I put the fight there, but I just couldn't even decide. I'm going to go DC. My heart's with 
with DC, I'd really like to see him uh, go out on top. I mean, if he wins this, he's he's retiring on top. Of <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and I don't want to jinx DC, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm picking uh, Daniel Cormier. Um, I'm gonna go fourth round. I think he I think he may get the KO TKO in the fourth round. All right, we got TKO four for. DC picked by the future player Andrea. So that's going to get us into our Twitter questions for this week from the Rhino Gang. We got some fresh meat in this segment. So our first one I know comes from Head Kick Audio. My homie Steve from Head Kick Audio. Check his stuff out on YouTube. It is fun. So what does Steve have for us this week from Head Kick Audio? Should we read too much into Weidman's performance, or do you think he still has what it takes to compete with the middleweight elite and make one last run at the title? No, dude, I don't see Chris even cracking the top 10 again, let alone getting back into title contention. Uh, Akhamedov is a good MMA fighter, but he's not very good on the feet at all, and he, he really seemed to get tired along with Chris uh, in the second Chris looked good. I, I liked what I saw last night as far as on the ground, but on the feet, not so much. Um, to be competitive and especially to get a win against somebody in the top 10 is just, I don't see that for him, at least not right now, based off that performance. If we see him again against maybe the number 12, excuse me, or 13 guy, and he, and he performs much better, then we can talk about that. But the, the version we saw last night, I do not see him winning against anybody in the top 10, let alone being uh, in the conversation for a title shot anytime soon. So thank you very much, my friend, Steve. Once again, check him out at Head Kick Audio. And I know our next one comes from Jessica Meadow at Renee Jess. What does she have this week, Drea? She wants to talk about Valerie Lareda and PVZ. Why do people say one thing about sexy women that are proud like Lareda and then are mean to PVZ when clearly they're the same social media-wise? Yes, Valerie is unbeaten is unbeaten but pvz has faced much higher caliber fighters also uh do most fans think ortega is afraid of the korean zombie uh okay so part one let me just preface this by saying i think if you are a male or female fighter and you want to put out what you think are sexy videos more power to you do whatever you want you're an adult and that's you know whatever makes you happy and comfortable as long as you're hurting anybody else fucking go ahead and do it I, I think the difference between the two, and I believe me, Lareda gets a lot of shit too. I, I obviously Paige Van Zandt has gotten more over time. Here's where wherein lies, I think, the difference. A Paige Van Zandt was pushed to the very front of the line from the very beginning in the UFC. She had a huge spotlight put on her. She was given, you know, all kinds of um, we'll call them maybe undeserved chances in publicity uh, via the UFC because of how she looks. She was moved to the head of the line above other fighters who were probably more deserving of getting that shine and getting those advertisements and those endorsements over Paige, but because Paige was so pretty, that's what happened. So it was kind of like she was getting all the reward without the substance. So I think that's where the resentment kind of began. Um, and then also, the it didn't endear her to any fans when she said she doesn't need to fight because she makes so much money off social media. Play fans don't want to hear that shit, dude. They want, you know, we want our fighters to be fighters, right? We want them to think about fighting, talk about fighting, and be a fighter first. Nobody's, you know, nobody should say that. Like, oh, I don't need to do this. I just do it because, you know, it, you know, I don't even need to do it. I make more money doing other stuff. Like, that's it. I don't know. That, that rubbed me the wrong way, kind of. I'm still a Paige Van Zandt fan. I still like her. I still think she's a good person. I think she's a pretty good fighter. She was not, uh, she was not UFC great right but she was good and it sounds like she's gonna go to bellator and that's probably where she should be for her level of talent and i think she'll do well there valerie Lareda, we have we have yet to see what she's really going to be made of down the road she's only three and oh but again i'm fine with whatever they want to do i'm not going to talk shit about them there's no there's nothing wrong with if they want to put videos in their bikinis and do all that shit i don't have any problem with it whatsoever um Again, they're adults. They're doing what they want to do. They shouldn't catch as much shade as they do. And so, yeah, that's kind of my answer on that one. Um, this part, can, part I, two. can I add something to that really quick? Well, Drea, as the female voice of the CSW <laughs> crew, you are more than welcome to jump in on this topic. Sorry, I think as a woman, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, there's another reason to, to all of that. I just, I feel like she used to get a lot more love and guys just used to like sip over her when she was single. You're talking, then, about PBZ, you're talking about PBZ, PBZ, yeah. PBZ because when she 
when she ended up getting a fiance and getting married and yeah, she's still posting all this sexy stuff, but it's including her man. So obviously all the men around are just now hating on her because they have no chance. So I, that's just my opinion. Then you have Loretta that everything is, you know, it's all about her. They're both extremely beautiful and sexy, but um, I think a lot of that change happened when, when PBZ got married. Why do you want to have a girl on your show right now? <laughs> right fucking there, boys and girls. Not only is she a fucking <laughs> extremely smart MMA mind, but she brings a fucking aspect that I can't relate to. Thank goodness that I made the <laughs> phenomenal decision to bring Drea onto the crew at CSWR. You are a valued member, and thank you for jumping in. That was excellent. So, okay. on to part two. <laughs> on to part two, right. So, no, I don't think Brian Ortega is scared of the Korean zombie. I think he wants everything to be on his term. That's what I really think it is. I think he wants, like, the money to be exactly what he wants, the time frame of it, the slot on the card, you know, what food he has prepared for him. I mean, he is really – I think he's really been feeling himself um, as of late, and I think he wants everything to go his way. And I think they will get in there and scrap. And it'll be a good fight. I mean, for all his faults, T-City is a phenomenal fighter. And Korean Zombie, for fuck's sakes, we all know what kind of fighter he is. I don't think T-City is scared of him. I just think he wants, he's kind of being a diva about things. He wants everything on his terms. And I think Korean Zombie will just kind of go with whatever Dana says. Like, hey, we're going to do it, you know, and I think he'll be on board. So I think they are going to fight, and I look forward to it. Um, I actually like watching both of those guys fight a lot. So I think it's an intriguing matchup, but I'm looking forward to it. So... Jessica, for a first question, first time question asker, that was a banger, dude. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we are all glad that you are feeling better. Seriously. Awesome, awesome stuff. All right. I know our next question comes from the homie Raven Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way. And what does Raven have this week, Drea? With the ongoing travel issues imposed by the pandemic, do you think some of the divisions are in a bit of a holding pattern? For example, Garbrandt getting the shot against Figgy at uh, flyweight. With some, sorry, with some guys not willing and or able to travel, seems like some pandemic title shots are who is available, such as Aldo, and some are who has earned it. Burns, both of which just a few months ago seemed pretty far-fetched. Do you think we will see a lot of this kind of matchmaking going forward, and will it motivate fighters to get back in the octagon? Uh, yes, on all fronts, yes. That, that's a great point that you brought up. It's not only um, who's the most deserving, but it's kind of who's uh, most accessible and who's most available, dude. Like, okay, so... Um, yeah, I think it's definitely it's the convenience factor is there, right? It definitely comes into play. Uh, but you got to remember, dude, and, and I got into this a little bit in my brain. I was kind of going back and forth with how I wanted to answer it, Rage, and it's a great question, dude. Um, in the grand scheme of things, what it all boils down to, when we all put our opinions away and we all put our like thoughts and concerns and, and everything away, we're getting content, right? We're getting fights. We as MMA fans are in an extremely rare and advantageous position and that our sport has continued during these times that has been really well received um, as far as safety wise goes, right? Like we've had everybody who has tested positive for COVID uh, has gotten caught, you know, or I shouldn't say caught has been detected prior to them getting in the cage, right? Like, I, not that I'm aware of. There hasn't been one post test positive. So we're really lucky to have the content that we have. And yes, that does fuck with, you know, in a perfect world, sometimes the number four guy is stepping over the three, two, and the one to get the title shot. I, I get that. Is it right? Is it fair? No. But is it what has to be done at this point to keep the fucking divisions moving forward, to keep the content flowing, to keep having fights that we as fans can uh, appreciate and watch? Yes, that is what has to happen. Does it, it Again, it's not fair. It's, it's not. But at the same time, look at the grand scheme, the grand scope of what's happening in the world and what we're able still to get with these fights. So, again, I'm just appreciative that we're getting fights. And, yes, I'm sorry for some of those guys who are getting stepped over due to travel restrictions and uh, their, their non-availability at the time. But that's that's the way of the world is right now. And, you know, and I'm just grateful that we have fights. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got to answer on that one. That was a great question. Raging, great friend of the show. Thank you so much for asking it. So I know our fourth one comes from my big homie, Mr. B, 
Now, Mr. B, here's a little side, a little behind the curtain. Mr. B has asked uh, a question the last couple of weeks, but it was already after we had recorded, right? So I wanted to get him on so bad. So I, I made sure I messaged him last. I was like, Mr. B, please, I want you on the show. <laughs> Dude, you're my friend, and you ask good questions, so please get on before that. And he certainly did. My boy, my homie, my dude, Mr. B, what does he have for us this week, Drea? With what we just witnessed between Kunsakaya and Stolarenko, who do you match up, or who do you match Julia up with next? So last night was the proverbial one-way traffic, dude. Yana Kuniskaya put Julia up against the cage and just dominated her for all three rounds. I talked about it in the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, in the recap of uh, last night's fight night. She outlaid her like one sixty-nine to nineteen. It was ridiculous. So, is Julia still a good fighter? Yes. Uh, does she have to drop a little bit? Yes. Um, so I, I looked at the rankings and I looked at some of the names that I thought might be a decent matchup for her next. So, uh, one name that came to mind that really kind of stood out above the others is Tracy Cortez. Uh, Tracy Cortez is a little bit less experienced, but is in that same tier in that 20 to 25 range. As far as rankings go, I think that they would be a much better matchup than someone like Kuniskaya who really physically could dominate her. I think her and Cortez are more appropriate size and strength-wise. And I think it'd be a fun matchup. I think there'd be a lot of uh, in the middle of the cage striking. And so that's really who I came up with, who I'd really like to see uh, next. I toyed with the idea of Nico Montano, but she can't really be trusted to, you know, get in the cage once she signs up for a fight. So, uh, yeah, I laid it on Tracy Cortez. So that's what I'd like to see next for Julia. So great question, my friend. Mr. B, I'm so glad to have you on this week, my fellow uh, MMA and wrestling homie. So, at this point, we have gotten through our picks, Drea's Draft of the Night, and our Twitter questions. So, at this point of the conversation, we say adieu to our great friend and our feature player, Drea, and we will talk to you next week, my friend. All right. See you next week. And now, Rhino Gang, let's go ahead and get into our voice questions. I know our first one comes from my big homie, Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, and at Solo Shoes, the Einstein of graphic design. My main man, what do you have this week for us, Dave? Hi, Rhino. Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, not Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Question for you today is a little bit of a different one, but uh, thought of it last night thinking of Bellator uh, when... Uh, uh, anyways, there was a couple things during Bellator that made me think of it. I was wondering if you were to sit down with... A referee, any referee, doesn't matter who. Um, and you could ask them any three questions. What would those questions be? Uh, for example, for me, I would love to ask, you know, what is the strangest thing that has happened in a fight that they've been calling? Uh, so, yeah, any three questions that you could dig out sort of from uh, behind the scenes, behind closed doors with any ref. Talk soon, man. Cheers. Oh, dude, great question. And hello, Judah, the combat sports with Rhino mascot, my little buddy. Uh, dude, I would definitely, if I'm sitting down with a ref, I would ask them how the sport can minimize these rampant eye pokes and nut shots. There's got to be an equipment change of some sort or something that could be possibly done to not eliminate, but minimize. I would absolutely ask that. I would also ask what the nastiest KO they ever saw or heard. What did it sound like in there? What was the actual audio experience of hearing the nastiest, gnarliest KO that they ever experienced while they were in their refing? And then I would also like to know if they thought that open scoring would help for better judging uh, or hinder better judging in fights. So open scoring like they do in Kansas, uh, which they're trying out in some places. I want to know uh, like an experienced ref's take on that. So those would be the three questions that I would ask a like a well-seasoned, high-level referee. So my man, Dave Fretz, thank you so much for asking that one. I know in the next one comes from the big homie, Jim Assoon. Also my uh, my homie from Canada. Jim Assoon, what do you got for us this week, buddy? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and the Rhino gang. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, well, I'm just actually watching the Derek Lewis interview right now. That's how quick it is after the fights. My question for you is what's next for him? Now, he's just saying here now he doesn't want to come back till he hits 250. He doesn't want to go above 250 anymore. December. Uh, we got Cormier 1. He's fighting, obviously, the champ. We got Francis, Curtis Blades, and then Derek Lewis. 
I'd like to see him fight Blades or Francis Nagano would be a great fight. You know what I mean? Get that sucker going again. But uh, that's my question for you, man. What do you think is next for him? Because there's not really many above him, right? He's ranked number four here right now, so. But it is what it is, kids. And you know it's always 420. Peace. Oh, dude, what's next for Derek Lewis? Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Jim. I like the idea of Curtis Blades. I like that matchup. Um, I also think if JDS can get through Rosenstrike, let them run it back. Uh, so, because their first fight, you know, with JDS beat them. Um, the Francis 2 1, I'm kind of hesitant of, right? Their first fight was so bad. It was so boring. And granted, it's it's been a long time since then. Um, I know Derek Lewis had a hurt back. I know Ngani was really gun shy facing another guy with such big power. But even still, I, even if they would, it would be better, it would still be a bad fight, right? I, I just, unless they were going to go out and just throw haymakers, which I, which I don't think would happen if they fought again. That fight just scares me with its potential for being a dud. Um, yeah, I like the Blades fight. I think Blades would be my first choice. And then again, if JDS can get through Rosenstrike, uh, let, 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 let them fight again, dude. I, I really enjoyed that. And I would like to see those two fight again. So thank you very much, my brother, Jim Asun. And I know our next one comes from the homie Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. And D-Reigns, what does Juice has for us this week? Hey, Rhino, it's Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. Uh, go ahead and make a joke about me being on the devil's lettuce because I am. Shout out to Jim Asun. It's always 420. Hey, that uh, Derek Lewis versus Alexia Olinik fight was amazing first of all lewis 2.0 explosive as fuck engaged in the grappling got me super worried for him i mean wow derek way to get my heart racing and olenic almost got a scarf hold which inspired my question what is your favorite submission that you've seen in mma my personal favorite is uh, Nick Diaz, uh, Gogo Plata over Takanori Gomi. Curious to hear your thoughts. Love the show, brother. Peace. Oh, dude, great question. Uh, my favorite sub I ever watched as it happened it had to be the flying armbar with DJ over Ray Borg in their uh, 125 title fight in 2017. I, I loved it. I've never seen that done so well so fast so explosive it was amazing dj is the fucking goat of the smaller weight classes i i love that dude what an amazing one and then secondly i remember uh watching pat curran over lewis palmino pull off the very rare peruvian necktie uh, i remember watching that one live and thought what the fuck is that <laughs> what is that sub but uh yeah that was awesome i know i think cb dalloway pulled it off a time or two uh, as well in the UFC, but it's it's ultra rare. But yeah, the first time I actually watched that was uh, Pat Curran or Luis Palmito. So very first DJ flying armbar over Ray Borg, second tier the Peruvian necktie Pat Curran over Luis Palmino from I think it was back in the day, like over a decade ago. But definitely remember it, loved it, totally cool. Thank you so much, my friend Juice. If you guys don't already check out Juice at the Fighting with Myself podcast, it is awesome. He's funny. He sings. He talks about Hamilton a lot. So if you like MMA and Hamilton, look no further than the FWM pod and my homie Juice, who is super duper cool and awesome. And uh, thank you very much, Juice. So moving into our final voice question, my dude Kairos from the WOCast. And what do you have this week, my dude Kairos? What is going on, my man? It is Kairos. I have a quick question for you. If you had to describe Kevin Holland's ability and compare it to other fighters and like who he meshes well with, who would you say? Because in my mind, I think he's like a cross hybrid between Alex Caceres and maybe some Yair Rodriguez. And I don't know who else, but I know we shouldn't be comparing fighters because he's his own person with his own personality and the character traits, but it's just something that I enjoy doing. And I'd love to hear your take and opinion on it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Oh, dude, this is a phenomenal question. Dude. It really made me think about it. So I thought about it in terms of like a drink, like what's the what, what, what's the Kevin Holland co you know, cocktail consist of? So it's definitely got some Leoto Machida in it. Um, th that in and out, darting in and out style, the fluidity on the feet definitely reminds me of Leoto Machida. You know, the strike, get out, strike, get out that uh, that Holland implores a lot of the time. Definitely see a lot of Wonderboy in him too. The stance, the bouncing. Uh, once again, the the in and out of the footwork. There's definitely some Wonderboy in there. And I definitely wanted to include 
uh, a shot or two of John Jones in the drink because the way that Kevin Holland, first of all, he's 6'3", and he's very tall and lanky for the 185 division. He uses his height and his length very well, too, just like John Jones does. But it's that front kick, right, that some people call the oblique kick. I, I call it a front knee kick, really, because he's really trying to stomp the knee as you're coming in and hyperextend it. And Kevin Holland is great at that. John Jones is great at that. Um, to me, that that's a really that's a really devastating move that doesn't get talked about a lot. But Kevin Holland really does a good job of that. So for me, if you're mixing the old Kevin Holland cocktail, you got a you got a big part Leona Machida, a big part of Johnny Bones Jones, and a big part of Wonder Boy stirred up. But thankfully, and you're right. He, he is his own guy. He's got his own swag. He's got his own fucking style. But I definitely I see components of those other fighters in him. What a great question. And speaking of great podcasts, if you guys don't already, also check out the WoCast. Mike G. Kairos, they are fucking phenomenal. So much fun. So much passion for MMA. Such great insight. Love, love, love that show. Thank you so much, my dude, for asking this week. Now, D. Reigns. Let's go ahead and climb ourselves into a nice, warm, comfortable bed known as 10 Rounds with Rhino with my man, Joe Gennetti, also known as Skeletor, Tough 27 runner-up, Cage Titans vet. The dude is a monster because he comes from the Northeast, get it, but Massachusetts is monster. All right, I hope so anyway. Let's go ahead and get right into it with Joe Gennetti going 10 Rounds with Rhino. Ladies and gentlemen of the Combat Sports with Rhino fans, my Rhino gang, we got a very special guest for you today. Making his triumphant return to the show, we got Tough 27 runner-up, we got Cage Titan Vet, we got all-around good guy, burger enthusiast, choking machine, Joe Skeletor Gennetti. Thank you, my friend, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. How's it going? Oh, we're doing pretty good, my friend. I, uh... Uh, I'm, I'm really stoked to have you on again because you we were just talking a little bit off the air uh joe was one of my first guests i had on cswr and that was over six months ago if i had a guest i would have thought it was like maybe i don't know two months ago or three but it's actually been six so i'm really glad to have you back on and catch back up with uh what's been going on as of late my friend so we're gonna go ahead and dive right into round one joe this is the second time that i've interviewed you so my, normally, my first round is kind of getting the background story, the genesis of your career, but we've already actually covered that. So um, I want to know what, if anything, you can tell us, because you kind of teased it on Twitter that there may or may not be a fight announcement. What, if anything, without getting you in any sort of trouble or hot water, what can you, uh, what can you tell us about the upcoming fight? Uh, I've got a really good fight. It's going to be sooner rather than later. Um... And my, you know, my opponent's very, very tough, and uh, I think that he's exactly who I need to fight where I'm at in my career. He's got a very good record, and I'm looking forward to it. Cryptic yet descriptive. I fucking, I'm for it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know we see you post pictures and the occasional video of stuff of what's been going on, so I know you've been working nonstop this entire time. I know it's hard with uh, gyms being closed and, you know, various things going on in the world, but... Can you tell me some of the things that you've been working on? Can you tell our listeners some of the things you've been working on and really focusing on sharpening up this camp? Oh, man, it's been crazy. I mean, the, the biggest thing is just strength and conditioning. Uh, as soon as my gym, actually before my gym closed, when the state started recommending that you don't go to gyms and be around people, I'm always the first one in and out of the gym. Um, I'm always there almost every single day except Sundays. And as soon as they were like, we recommend you guys aren't at gyms, I was the first one to not come back. I was at my house because, you know, I split a house with my dad who's older. And uh, like I told my team, I was like, you know, I just it's not worth the risk. I can't do it. So I was at home and I had, we split a garage outside and my half of the garage is just like a bunch of junk um, with like all his work stuff and some of my stuff. And I was like, you know what, we're going to turn this into a gym. And, you know, with a little bit of the money that I had left and then some, my dad gave me some money, you know, we made a little mini gym in that garage and I have almost everything I need. I could have done a whole fight camp by myself in that garage if I needed to. I've been lifting so, so much, um, more than I have in the past couple camps. And I've had, since I've had so much extra time, I've rehabbed some extra injuries that I've had. Um, I signed up for a, some rehab programs for my body. Um, you know, Dr. Grant Elliott from Rehab Fix, he's, he's a magician, man. You know, my body feels great and I'm looking forward to show it off. 
Dude, that that could not have been a more perfect transition into my next question. So, what what I said was what I was going to say was you you look like you turned part of your garage into kind of an old school throwback, you know, uh, Rocky Four type of gym. You know what I mean? And you were you were going to be doing a lot of your training out there. That's what a lot of us have done. Uh, you know, again, just to because our gyms are closed, we've had to make do with what we've done. And, and you feel like that gym itself has that kind of been something that has uh i don't know in difference from your other camps has this kind of been like a special one is it you feel like you've been able to really dive in on some things you really weren't normally able to do yeah man for sure i mean it's one of those things too like when you go to your regular gym and you train uh if it's a slow night or if it's like some other guys have fights you kind of feel more pressured to work what you need specifically for your fight and what they need so you'll take some time out of your own stuff but you know when i'm by myself in that gym it's like okay, my body needs this. My next fight camp needs this. Like it's all on me and I I'm there all day, you know, it's at my house. So some days I'm in, I was literally in that garage for six hours. I was there all day, not answering the phone. And you know, I've had it since just before, like right when COVID started. So I was in there seven, 8 AM when it's freezing cold. I've been in there middle of the afternoon nowadays when it's a hundred degrees out and I'll do it with the doors closed. I'm in there killing myself. It is miserable in that garage. Jeez, oh, Pete's, dude, I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> my my little uh, shed out back, which I turned into the gym, has nice airflow, and it's got a little fucking outlet so I can put a fan in there. Not you. Not you, Joe. You're going old, <laughs> you're going old school, fucking Massachusetts, Massachusetts strong, badass training, and I'm fucking for it, dude. So, uh, Joe, for those of you who don't know, you're a big gamer, dude. Um, what, have you, what have you been playing right now, and where can uh, the fans find you on, on your Twitch stream? So I was playing a lot of Fortnite. Uh, I've been playing a lot more Call of Duty Warzone lately. Uh, it's just it's me and my buddies been having a ton of fun. You know, I do stream on Twitch every once in a while. It's not really a set schedule, you know, with training, but it's at Genetti MMA, two N's, two T's MMA. Um, but, you know, it's just a good time. You know, it's it's another platform where I can hang out with fans and it's in its live. So, you know, it's not like you tweet at me and you wait a couple hours till I see a tweet and I reply to you. It's like in the moment you're watching me get killed in COD and me killing people, making jokes with my buddies, and then I can shoot the shit with my fans. So it's, it's just a really cool platform that's different than most social medias. Yeah, dude, absolutely. That's something that that's really one of the cool parts about, about social media. Social media has a lot of really fucked up things about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> But this is one aspect. I think it's so cool. I think Twitch is a really neat uh, avenue and venue for exactly what you said, getting to connect with fans at a different level. And, it, it, yeah, I think that's very, very cool, dude. So getting back into your fight career, you have finished so many fights with pretty much every choke in the book, dude. Darce, Anaconda, Rear Naked, Guillotine. You've you, Your choke game is super-duper strong and on point. Where does that come from? I mean, I know you're a, you're a long, lanky guy. So I'm, I'm sure that helps in some regards. But where do you attribute this ability for all these various chokes that you're able to finish dudes with? Uh, honestly, it's just the way my style was built from the ground up at South Shore Sport Fighting. I mean, my coach, Bill Mahoney, his greatest thing is just like, we're not cookie cutter. You know, some of the best gyms in the world, they're, they're that. They're the best gym in the world. But I feel like I go to some of those gyms and I, or I see them online and, you know, they have six, seven different fighters of all different, you know, lengths, heights, reach, all that. But they all fight exactly the same. Whereas at South Shore, nobody in my gym grapples or strikes like I do. I don't grapple or strike like anybody else. Like, we all know a similar asset of moves. But, you know, my style is built around sneaky chokes and setups and stuff like that. And that's just something that he's worked with me from the ground up. Because I've never been stronger than the people I'm competing against. So it's right. like, I need those slick chokes and, you know, and I just became a master at them. I fell in love with them. So, you know, I was looking up YouTube videos and then, you know, I started watching the Diaz brothers and of course they're doing the same stuff. And so it's just like guys like that. I watch all the time. Dude, that, you know, what's funny is that when I was, when I was writing your 10 rounds, um, I thought of inserting like a really, uh, off color, you choke better or you choke better than like, you know, like a terrible place kicker. And I was going to name <laughs> a couple of them, but like, fuck, I didn't want to have anybody backlash. Come in. <laughs> I'll just leave that on the fucking menu and we'll just ask you see what he says. Uh, so dude, Tapology, uh, which is, you know, a really good go-to for as far as people's records and, and information on that, you know, they've got you of ha has having 19 fights. Now I know that's not always perfectly accurate, but if you're including the Ami and the pro you're at 19 fights, dude, um, You've only taken two L's. A lot of people maybe don't know that. You've only taken two losses, and one was by a very debatable split decision. 
you have never been stopped in your entire career. What can you attribute that to, bro? Um, honestly, just, just a dog mentality. Um, like just, it's coming up in the struggle. You know, when I was a kid, like when I was younger, I was really spoiled. I was like, dude, I was obnoxiously spoiled. Like my dad was a police <laughs> officer. He, he, he worked details all the time. We go buy Toys R Us and he'd be like, you want something? I'm like, hell yeah. And I'd get it, um, you know, but you know, tough times hit money got tight. You know, our house has got foreclosed on and stuff. But it was one of those things now that I look back and I'm like, I'm so glad that happened because I was definitely on the road to just be a snotty prick. Like I wasn't, I wasn't a bad kid, but there's no way I could have lived my whole life that spoiled and turned out the way I am now. Um, So, you know, when I get in that cage, I'm just like every other fighter, you know, I'm like, the fuck am I doing here? Like I signed up (laughs) for this, like nobody forced me to do this. But then I get in there and they close the door and I'm like, this dude's going to hurt me. And I'm like, not only is he going to hurt me, he's going to take money out of my pocket that I can't provide for my family. I'm like, oh, no, I'm putting this dude away. And I don't care how bad it is. You need to kill me to stop me in there. Dude, and you've, you've not, that's not lip service, bro. You've proven that, I mean, almost 20 times. And I don't see, I don't see that changing anytime in the future because you're only getting better, bro. I mean, people got to remember you were really young when everybody got, got introduced to you on Tough. And uh, you're still a very young guy and very young in your career. And if you've already established that as kind of being like a guy who's almost impossible to fucking stop, that that's only going to keep improving and getting better. So that's badass, dude. Uh, in addition to being an awesome MMA fighter, you are a big fan of the sport. And I like that. I think a lot of us who are also fans uh, really appreciate that about guys who, you know, who are actual fans of the sport, who study it. Because, uh, you know, sometimes you hear guys say, you know, yeah, I just do this as a job. It's not really my... It's not really my passion or my thing. So um, is there anybody lately, like I mean lately, like in the last year or so, that you've kind of seen for the first time um, who's really stuck out to you, i.e. Uh, either a male fighter or a female fighter, doesn't matter, but somebody you've seen like the last year or so, which you're like, okay, this person is fucking good, and I'm curious to see where they go with their career. So the there's three big ones that stick out to me. The first one, I, I'll say only say it because I called her out way before she fought Paige, was Amanda Rebus. Um, okay. Not just her fighting, but, like, the way that she walks into a room, like, she was on the UFC Embedded, and I don't even think she was the main fighter they were focusing on, but she was in the room, and you just saw the camera guy, like, turn to her and, like, just give her all his attention because she has that bubbly personality. Like, she can be a star. And not just that, she goes in there and she finishes girls. Like, she's breaking Paige Van Zandt's arm. She's she's beating everybody. She just beat Mackenzie Dern, too, I think, before that. Um, you know, she's really, really good. I'm excited to see what happens with her. And then, you know, the new one, uh, who is he? I can't, I'm going to mess up his name. Kamzat Kimaev, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chimaev, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chimaev, I've been screw. All my buddies ask me about him. I've been screwing up his name every day. So we all do, bro. We all do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then honestly, I know he just lost via knockout, but I just see big improvements. Uh, at lightweight is Nazrat Hackparis. Man, Mini Kelvin Gaslam can throw. Yeah, dude, he's no joke. I know Drew. I know Drew Dober's bad. Like, Drew Dober knocked him out, but I think that – I'm not saying it was a fluke, but I don't think that happens 10 out of 10. Uh, Dober's really, really good, but I think Nazareth's going to be a problem. He's young too, so he's going to be around for a while. Yeah, dude, I definitely co-sign on all those picks. Uh, for me, over the last few months, you know, I've been watching K1 and kickboxing for as long as I've been watching MMA and boxing, maybe even longer, you know. And uh, so Yuri Prohaska was the one that stuck out for me, like – Dude, this this guy has transitioned from kickboxing to MMA in a big way. Vulcan Ozdemir is a good fucking fighter, and Yuri, you know, buzzsawed through him. So, uh, yeah, those are all really good picks, and Prohaska would be mine. But yeah, I definitely co-sign on yours, dude. Uh, your reputation, Joe, in MMA is that of a very dangerous submission guy. But we also have seen that when it's necessary, you can throw those hands and kicks. Do you feel like that aspect of your game is kind of getting kind of slept on? Um, by just the general fans of MMA? Oh, 100%. It's so funny. I was talking about this with somebody the other day. Uh, when I was an amateur, like towards the end of my amateur career, I would see like write-ups on like previews for fights or like post-fight write-ups. And it was always like, you know, Gennetti's grappling looked great, but like if he could get his hands to work more, if he could find his flow, like he'd be a killer fighter. And then like af- even after my last fight when I won, I didn't throw a single punch on the feet. That was by choice. Uh, sure. and, and I got a write-up that was like, you know, he killed it again. Great submission. If he could just let those hands go, he'd be a, he'd be a problem for everybody. And it's one of those things where it's like, I'm down for a dog fight, but I don't get paid by the hour. If I can get you out and choke you out in 30 seconds, that's what I'm going to do. Um, 
but like you said, I'll throw hands with anybody. It's, it's just one of those things. I'm, I fight smarter, not harder. And there's a reason I don't have any knockouts. I mean, the closest I've gotten to a knockout was my second fight on the show. And I didn't take him down. I like a shot on me. And I actually grabbed before I anaconda a lawn, I grabbed a regular guillotine on him. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to knock him out. And I let it go. <laughs> and, I, and I shoved him away because I really just wanted a knockout. I was like, I just want one. If I get one right. knockout in my career, I could sleep good for the rest of my life. So I, I pushed him away and then he shot again and I got the anaconda so deep. And I was like, don't be an idiot. Take his neck. And I took his sure. neck and I was like, but like in my head, I was like, oh, you're taking this away from me. <laughs> Dude, you got to remember the flip side. As, as you know, I was a pro boxer for, for 10 years. You got to know, yeah, it's awesome to knock folks out, but you also know that there's the flip side of that coin. When you're in the dog fights, you are yep. just as susceptible to, get to catch one on the chin, too. And I've experienced that a, a time or two, dude. <laughs> so, uh, Joe, switching gears, man, we, are, we have already careened into the ninth round of 10 rounds with Rhino. Like, I don't know. You know, it's funny. It sounded like you were putting ice into something while we were interviewing. I don't know if you were making a drink or not. But water, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good because that actually transitions well for this one. So I don't know if you are an alcohol drinker on occasion or not, Joe. If so, what is Skeletor's drink of choice? Now, for me, I rarely drink. But what I do, I like a nice whiskey and ginger ale on the rocks. It's kind of my go to thing, like at a wedding or at a nice dinner or something like that. When, when it's time for a cocktail, what does Skeletor reach for? So when I'm sitting around hanging out with my buddies, watching fights, maybe sitting around a campfire, I just like cracking open a Budweiser or a Bud Light. That's just like a relaxing hangout type of drink. Uh, as far as like a cocktail or something, I'll tell you a Long Island iced tea or a tequila sunrise. But if somebody that's friends with me starts calling me out, I'll probably just start ripping shots at tequila. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fun fact, my birthday was uh, July 5th and, you know, 4th July I had people over we were gonna uh have a campfire we had a barbecue and we were playing basketball and stuff in my backyard and i was i was drinking a couple of beers and then my girlfriend's sister started throwing me tequila shots and then i was like all right so i took a couple and then my buddy was like dude you haven't even cracked open your bottle of patron and i was i was a little buzzed and i was like oh yeah and i ripped the top off and just started chugging it oh no uh, joe <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i started chugging it i threw it back Next thing you know, it's like 7.30. The sun's still coming down. It's not even dark out yet. Next thing I know, I wake up. It's 8.30 the next morning, and I'm asleep on the couch. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, I've only been asleep for about an hour. It's still sunny right, out. And, right. and then I looked at my phone, and I was like, it's tomorrow. I was like, what oh, just happened man. last night? <laughs> it sounds like you needed a nice rest, and I'm glad that the <laughs> Patron was able to provide you as such. That's funny. Our birthdays are really close. I'm July 2nd. You're July 5th. That's cool. Oh, happy uh, birthday. And to you, my friend. So, we are in now into the 10th round, which, Joe, this is what we call the wild card round. It's off the wall. Anything can happen. you got to put your thinking cap on. It's fucking usually pretty out there. So, you are going to be spending a month up in a cabin. Let's just say, due to where you live, in the north woods of New England. Not another soul around, dude, a whole month. There's no service. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no computer. There is, in fact, one old TV with a little DVD player that you have, uh, you show up there with nothing, but in the cabinet beneath the TV are three DVDs and three CDs that you're going to have as your only sources of entertainment for an entire month. What three movies and what three CDs are you hoping are in there to last you for the whole month, to keep you from going insane in the deep woods of the beautiful Northeast? Does it have to be a movie? Can it be a TV show on DVD? It could absolutely be. It's like a whole season of a TV show. Absolutely. Oh, perfect. This is an easy one. For the shows, right. Psych is my favorite show by far. All right. Save, Save by the Bell. <laughs> I love it. And Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, I never saw that one. Okay. Oh, okay. A great one. I, I could watch those three shows. I, I mean, I pretty much do. I could watch those three shows on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> all right cool now you got to give me three cds it doesn't have to be the actual like the one disc but at least three musical artists that you have that they'll have a cd of uh i need three of those from you give me one eminem cd one aerosmith and one whitney houston oh dude that's fucking great <laughs> <laughs> so you got a detroit guy like me you got a boston boston based band like you and then you got whitney houston who transcends everything and we can just put you in that mode of floating yes. on air with her silky smooth pipes 
Amazing, yep. dude. Dude, that could not have been a better answer. So, <laughs> Joe, we, uh, we actually have one. I have a bonus question for you because, Let's do it. because you are a two-time guest, so you get a bonus question, and Ooh. this will be funny. So, do we, like, do we have any possible chance of the grudge match that should need and needs to happen <laughs> of Giannette or Giannetti versus Pimblet. Is this ever going to happen, bro? Is this going to happen at some point in our careers here? Let me tell you, the only place that this could ever happen is in the UFC. Uh, I know that every time I say it, it comes across as me just chirping at him and talking trash. But Patty Pimblet will never sign the dotted line to fight me on a full fight camp. Ever. Unless it's even, and maybe not even in the UFC, but if he were to sign it, it would only be for the UFC. And his only excuse would be he won't make weight, even though I've never, ever missed weight on a full fight camp. Um, and, that, and that's just the fact about it, you know? He actually started chirping at me like two weekends ago. And it was, just, <laughs> and it was one of those things where I was just like, I can't come to the UK and fight you right now with everything going on. You can't come here unless we're both fighting for the UFC. So just shut up, wait your turn, and when it's possible... Sign the dotted line because they all know I'm down for it on a full fight camp. I've been, I'm in shape. I'm stronger than before. Like I've said a million times, his best bet to beat me was that night because I had the worst weight cut of my life. I missed weight. I lost so much muscle that fight camp, the fight camp for 10 days. Um, yeah. So that was, that was his best shot. And, and now it's, I, I'm, I'm sorry for what I have to do to him if we do ever fight. <laughs> Patty Plimlet, the gauntlet has been thrown down, sir. We, we are all hoping and expecting and waiting for the day that will come where you can sign on the dotted line and you and Skeletor can finally get in there and settle the score once and for all. And we will all be fucking stoked if and when that happens. Well, Joe, once again, bro, I so appreciate you coming on. You are one of my favorite guests to have on, dude. It's uh, It always flies by when we talk, bro. Like, it's already been 20 minutes. It felt like five. So I know. Uh, that went by so quick. <laughs> I know, dude. So I really appreciate you coming on, bro. And we will... uh. We are all looking forward to the to the actual fight announcement. We can kind of get ourselves mentally prepared to see you go in there and get into action and get another win. So, again, thanks so much for coming on, bro. We definitely want to talk to you soon. No problem. Thank you. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Joe Janetti, and I just went ten rounds at Rhino. Dude, that was so fun. That was one of the, that was really fun. I loved uh, I love hearing things like that story about the Patron, dude. Like you never get that on another show. Right? That's that's <laughs> I want to thank my boy Joe Janae for coming on and being so fucking honest and forthcoming. That was such a good time, bro. So thank you again, Joe. Uh, so, so cool. So, uh, big shout out to the Rhino gang who had questions that they uh, wrote in or called in this week. Dave Fretz, also my graphic designer. Fucking unbelievable posters this guy puts out. My man, Jim Asoon, the Mr. Always 420. My dude, Kairos from the WoCast. Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast, Rage and Sweet Potato, Head Kick MM, or I'm sorry, Head Kick Audio, uh, Jessica for the first time writing in, Mr. B, all my friends, family, everybody who listens, everybody who participates, of course, the best fucking engineer that there is, D Raids, of course, my girl, the feature play, Andrea, thank you guys, we could not do this show without you, next week is such a big one, I'm so looking forward to it, UFC 252, can't wait to see you there, and we will catch you next week. Pizza!